Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome to another episode of Let Go Lean In, and you are in for a treat because today I get to introduce you to an in real life friend, Cindy Kazanis. Cindy, welcome. I'm so happy to see your smiling face. I'm thrilled to be here. This is so great. We got to meet through an organization, my dear listeners, that you've heard me speak of before and have had the chance to bring other women to you. Through the organization Lead Bolt, which is located in the Bay Area of California and is doing amazing things to help women in ministry leadership to develop their leadership skills. I love it. And I'm so glad that you found it. I found it. We found each other. And here we yes. are today. Yeah, so great. Wonderful community. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I, I will put the links in the show notes just so everybody who may be in the area and, and actually beyond because I know they're doing things in the Midwest now in Chicago, as I recall. So right. yeah. anyway, let me start by reading Cindy's bio so you can know the backstory or a little bit of the backstory of who this woman is. Cindy Kazanis, MA, MFT, Doctor of Intercultural Studies is an adjunct professor of marriage and family therapy at Western Seminary and co-founder of Beloved Ministries. She has been encouraging, teaching, and equipping women for over 25 years. She loves reading, music, painting, and creating, and is always ready for a good kitchen dance party. Since deciding to close her therapy practice, she has been happily spending time on writing projects and most recently has learned how to tattoo eyebrows. <laughs> I love that. She is turning the chapter on a new season of life as an empty nester, along with her husband of 33 years, in a small town on the outskirts of Silicon Valley. Welcome, Cindy. Well, gosh, thank you so much. Me in a nutshell. There you have it. Yeah, in a nutshell. And and I will also say she is a creator of beautiful spaces. I've been privileged to be in your home, Cindy, and everywhere that my eye rested, there was some element of beauty, whether you had curated somebody's art or made it yourself or just arranged things where the light hit things. It was it is a gorgeous relaxing, welcoming space. So yay for that. <laughs> yes. Come back soon. I I hope to. Yes. So I loved how in your bio, you're turning the chapter and that's really what I am offering to women as, as leaders and recognizing leading yourself well entails paying attention 
to longings that haven't yet been met and and what is still ahead in this second season or second chapter or I've heard third act so many different ways that that people are referring to this season of life and so I just um, would love to start with how you knew that that was a time you know what besides your your kids leaving home which is obviously a good marker for us but right what was a shift for you well first of all i recognize that i have the privilege of having the time to consider these things i'm not mm -hmm. um, having to work full time i'm living in a safe place I have a, a supportive husband, so I recognize that, and obviously um, the hand of God on my life right now, giving me the opportunity to do this. So I recognize it as a huge blessing and one that not everybody gets to have. So mm -hmm. I'm very aware of um, the the space God has opened for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from spending time with the Lord and being quiet and learning to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So because of that, I have taken time to really look at my own life and things that I have ignored, maybe passions or mm -hmm. um, giftings, maybe parts of me that have, you know, had the disease of trying to please everybody, mm -hmm. please everybody is uh, what, what would be a good um, disease to call that. Anyway, you know what I'm talking mm, about. Yeah, People, no, yeah. People, People pleasing. Are I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with a word for that that's yes good though because you're not the only one that yeah. is afflicted by that disease <laughs> right right and actually I could look back over my life and identify mm -hmm. so many decisions that I made based on what would make other people happy or what they thought was best for me and mm -hmm. never learning to honor um fully my own voice my own opinion my own desires and the design that God made me yeah. the beautiful design that God made in me yeah. I could see it in other people. In fact, mm -hmm. I think I'm probably one of the biggest encouragers out there. I love to champion people and the potential I see in them and um, just their God-given talent and abilities as well as what God has yet to do in them. So mm -hmm. helping people identify that. It was harder for me to see it in myself. So I think that even though I was aware I had longings, they would fight with my ability to give myself permission to pursue them. Mm -hmm. So in this season of life, I decided about, I want to say about six months ago, maybe a little bit less, that I was going to close my therapy practice. And as soon as I made that decision, I felt so much peace and so much joy. And it's not that I don't love sitting with people and counseling and listening. I think it's one of my greatest joys. But for me to have the opportunity to do that in a way that was, um, I think, more of a gift to people, a mm. gift of friendship, a gift of walking alongside, which you're not able really to do in a professional relationship, um, brought me a lot of joy to think about. So uh, I will always be counseling in one form or another, uh, just not for money. And yeah. that sounds really wonderful to me. Mm. And along with saying no, it has opened up a whole slew of things I can say yes to as saying no does, which right. sometimes I've also felt like if I say no, oh my gosh, I'm never I'm going to be able to do the things I want to. And it's, the opposite is true. Saying no opens up that opportunity. So now I have time to write. I have a 
just a couple of weeks ago, I was on a trip with my husband. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this book idea totally downloaded to me, chapters and everything. I'm like, where did that come? Well, I know who it came from, but right. I wasn't expecting it. You know, so having space both emotionally and physically to um, do something new has been a real blessing. I love how you started answering this question by recognizing the privilege that this season has provided you a secure living space, a loving husband, the time resources. And, and I think it's really important that we acknowledge that is not true for everybody that we recognize our reality is, is simply that, and it's not widespread. Right. And, and as a launching place that allows you to be present with people who are in different circumstances to be able to listen well and to to show up with that spacious grace grace I was going to say graciousness but yes that that God equips you with and that's that's lovely and and that space to listen even though it was in the middle of the night, you were still alert. It's like, it reminds me of Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening, right? You hear this, it's like, okay, here we go. Um, I have so many questions, Cindy. Okay, so you touched on that disease of, of people-pleasing and whether it's a gendered disease or it's widespread human disease that I think is irrelevant, but I know that there are many women, myself included, who have battled that mm-hmm. and without, you know, client confidentiality and things like that. Was that a theme that you heard repeat itself over the years of listening? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. think there's, um, yes, definitely can be gendered. I mean, there's, I think there's so many um, variables, but women in particular, we, in um, part of it is our design. We, we love to care for people and we um, are in the business of bringing peace. I mean, we have so many wonderful qualities when used for the right purposes, mm-hmm. actually give life and strengthen us. But when we use them um, for maybe not so honorable purposes, it takes life from us and it diminishes us. And yeah. 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 I, I know um, I, I can see the face of a couple of women who I know that will listen to this and what, what was the shift for you away from that hamster wheel of, of pleasing and looking for external uh, validation, um, affirmation. Can you remember? Well, I would say it's a lifetime process for me. I don't think there's been any one particular event. You know, I've probably had many times throughout my life where all of a sudden I am just feeling overwhelmed, unhappy, Mm. Uh, miserable. And then when I stop to think about it, it's like, because I said yes to things I should never have said yes to. Mm. Because I was operating out of motivations that 
weren't uh, leading me closer to the Lord and living in a lifestyle of rest and peace, internal rest and peace. So uh, I think it, and the, the more I understand God's love and acceptance of me, I'm taking that from my head and down into the core of my being, mm. that frees me up just to be myself too. And every time I speak a word over somebody, I'm constantly thinking now, okay, do I find that to be true for myself? Mm. And if I don't, what needs, what lie needs to be uprooted out of my life so that what I'm telling somebody else about how God feels towards them, I equally accept in my own spirit. So part yeah. of this is being aware too. Yeah. I, I like to say awareness is the first step to change. Mm -hmm. And, and I would imagine in that time of, of sincere encouragement, you hear those words, then that awareness, is that true of me? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, often it's likely yes, but in those times when it's not, what, what do you do for yourself at that point? That in that intentionality, what, what shifts for you mm -hmm. in the way that you think, act, write? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I can't say I'm perfect at this, but I, when I'm starting to feel ill at ease or overwhelmed, mm -hmm. I really try to stop and bring it to the Lord. And it, maybe it might have to wait a few hours. I try to do it as soon as I feel it. That doesn't happen all the time, right. but I try to become aware of why I'm feeling that way. And then when I do, I ask God to reveal who he is to me in that moment. Oh. and listen for that listen for his voice because i know he's kind i know he's um loving towards me and has gentle words to speak over me and even in the moments when i need correction those words are still loving and gentle and drawing me towards him yeah. so um i'm not sure if i'm answering your question but you also mentioned writing i'm a big fan of journaling mm. i don't journal every day uh i wish again that i was more disciplined in that way but writing is a beautiful outlet for me to get out what's in my heart and really listen to God. I do a lot of two-way journaling. Mm. And by that, I mean, I will pose a question to God and then just, you know, listen as best I can and start writing what I hear back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it shocks me and people might think, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, okay. But God is revealed in the Bible, not contained in the Bible. And I think he speaks right. in so many different ways. And I, I love how he speaks to me when I write. So, yeah. So, and I could say the same thing, even when I'm creating a piece of art, you know, I invite God into that process and I try to have a conversation with him while I'm creating. So it's learning how to be more um, aware of his presence. That's always with me, always with all of us and tuning, training our senses into who he is through all the beautiful five or six senses, however many you want to count. Um, he made available to us to to understand and experience him. That is so good. I, it resonates deeply for me because years ago through therapy, I was invited to practice two-way journaling mm. and it was transformative. Mm. It was truly transformative. And, and like you, I don't journal every day, but when I do, it's it's usually 
my thoughts to prayer. Right. Not thoughts about prayer, but my thoughts that turn into prayer mm -hmm. and, and just sitting and making space for the Lord to impress upon me right. um, the, the next step or the, the words of comfort and reassurance or whatever's needed. And so right. I, I love that you've had those experiences too, because first of all, that makes me recognize, okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we all need to be reminded of that. But yeah. that, that um, writing is valuable and, and it's a, it literally is an embodiment of your thoughts because they come out through your pencil or your pen or your fingertips. If you're a journaler who does, you know, on, on electronic devices, although as a former teacher, I will tell you, there's a lot more connection to your brain when your hand, one hand is involved, whether it's left or right, doesn't matter. <laughs> there's, there's a, a neurological connection there, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> But you know, I wanted to mention something that you said because it's really hit home for me in the last couple of months. You said it, writing is an embodiment of what you're thinking and feeling. And for my personality, which I people think that I am, um, and why can't I? I hate when I brain fart. This happens after menopause, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it okay. Does. It all On of us the do. regular, it happens, unfortunately. Yeah. So people think I'm an extrovert, but I'm really not. You know, I, I love people. Yeah. And because of that, I, I love to spend time with people, but I really recharge when I'm on my own. I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my thoughts are, are focused inwards. And when I write, it gets them out of my head, out of my spirit and onto paper. And it actually gets me in touch with my whole body. So mm -hmm. it's embodiment of thought, but also in like, I don't know how, to, I'm sure all the introverts out there might understand what I'm trying to say that we lose touch of our own bodies. And mm -hmm. sometimes um, not only writing, but somebody else just coming up and laying a hand on us. It's like, okay, I become aware of my body again. Yeah. And then when I think about extroverts, writing is a beautiful embodiment for them too, that actually focuses thought instead of letting it get spewed out all over everybody. And there's no focus and no resolution to the thought. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's good for, good for all personality types. I agree. And, and like you, I have been mistaken as an extrovert when in all honesty, I need that downtime and alone time. That's why I love to garden. That's why I journal. Yeah, you know, I play my guitar by myself, not for anybody yeah, else. You know, yeah. all those different, you know, creative things. Yeah. We're not we're not doing that in isolation because back to your beautiful practice of God's presence, we are in his presence all the time. And any one of those acts can be an act of worship, mm -hmm. or it can be an act of lament, mm -hmm. um, an expression of what's on our heart, but it isn't words from our mouth. It's our mm -hmm. body releasing the things. Yeah. And, and I think you know, I'm hearing more and more about that. There's, uh, you know, part of our brain, the reticular activating system is the one that raised is now alert to something you're learning. And so I'm hearing a lot more people speak about embodiment as I am learning more about 
that for me personally. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, um, again, a transformative practice to be able to be reconnected. You know, it's not like we've left our bodies and are having an out of body experience. That's not it at all. It's awareness, right? We're an entire vessel, Mm -hmm. not just an aspect. And, and I think this, um, this season of life, again, that privilege of time, Mm-hmm. allows us to pay attention and and reconnect with a through line from our childhood mm-hmm. to our present day and just you know as you've talked about art and and writing and that creative um element I am wondering was that a part of your childhood were you encouraged to play with paint and draw and things like that yeah well i from my earliest memories, I was always drawing. And I remember my first little book that I wrote and I was maybe um, in kindergarten or oh, first grade. I love and that. it was Chester the Mouse. I still remember that. And the way that I started training myself how to draw was to trace the Peanuts characters. And then I would finish that think, oh, aren't I amazing? And I just traced every single character, but it taught me perspective and it taught me um, how to compose a a picture and so I do remember though you know there was a period in um, the latter part of elementary school where I started editing myself and my creativity Mm. really um, fell away as I tried to become what I thought I was supposed to be a good little student and um, yeah so I I noticed that but then in um, junior high I had the um, privilege of being part of the MGM program, which is now the gate program yep. called then mentally gifted monkeys. That's what <laughs> minors, <laughs> but yes, place. but we had a lot of opportunities um, that most of the students didn't to learn calligraphy and dance and all different things. And that kind of helped me um, reawaken the creative part of me again, which I would say, you know, kind of wax and wane over the years, but has never totally gone. It might have taken a different form, you know, whether it be um, guitar or mm-hmm. cooking, the way I present my food, or I mean, creativity has so many different outlets, right? Absolutely. Uh, but I have found that um, I have identified the things that I really love now, and that's what I focus on. So, watercolors, charcoals, um, yeah, uh, gardening. Mm-hmm. So, Photo, photographs. I love taking photographs. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I am so glad that you made that very important point that create creativity takes so many different forms. There isn't just one way to be creative. And if it's not what draws you, then the label, I'm not a creative. Right. I don't do X. Yeah, no, it, I remember students who would say oh i'm i'm not an artist mm-hmm. i'm not creative mm-hmm. and in different settings of my teaching career there were times when i could say of course you're creative you were created mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to carry the image of god who is a creator right and and we forget that you know yeah. it's like oh whether it's in the kitchen, whether it's in the garden, whether it's uh, making clothes and doing textile oh. kinds of, I mean, there's so yeah, many- the boardroom is the way you think it's the way you lead. Yes. 
There's yes. so many ways to express creativity. So yes, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, yeah. It bothers me when people say I'm not creative because they only, they narrow it down to, I can't make a, I can't draw or I can't paint. I'm like, oh, that's okay. But you can be creative and yeah. let's work on how you can um, express your creativity. Yeah. And, and I love that you have found that throughout the years in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is something I was one of those people who didn't identify myself as creative. And yet I can look back and, and I had people then who would say, of course, you're creative. Look at these things that you're doing. But I had one way that defined creativity and I wasn't that. So I wasn't creative, but creative problem solving, like you were saying about, you know, it's in your thoughts and the way that you respond to people and situations. So yeah, creativity is everywhere. And that's something that each of us can become aware about what, what draws us? Is it listening to music? Is it making music? Is it, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, because God is constantly creating and he made us in his image, we have access to that very same way of being. And I think about the work of Carol Dweck, the mm-hmm. um, growth mindset, that mindset, yep. our, our um, abilities and our intelligence aren't fixed things. There are things that can be developed over the years. And if we don't give ourselves the opportunity to fail, be in, in our society failures you know it's the f word the oh yeah. Word, yeah it's the terrible that's thing how, yeah. that's how we learn and it's how we gather the knowledge to do something differently the next time and i think being involved in so many different creative pursuits has given me many opportunities to fail but also to learn and to grow and sometimes it's learning that, oh, I don't like doing that. I'm not going to do that again. Or learning, oh, wait, now I've learned a different technique. I'm going to try that in a, in a new way. And how that ends up in leadership sometimes, and especially in ministry leadership, is that we often put God into a box. This mm-hmm. is how we've done things for, you know, the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years. And we keep doing it that way rather than recognizing that God is always at work creating new things. And he wants us to follow him where he's already leading. We don't have to create it. We just need to be in tune with what he's doing and then do that with him. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like we stagnate. And then sometimes uh, the artists of the world, the prophetic voices in the world, mm-hmm. uh, end up recognizing God before the believers do. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? It does to me because that's my experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I... I have a necklace that was given to me by a parent when I was still in education and it said, think outside the box. And I have applied that to faith as well as education and parenting and, you know, whatever it is, because we do set these limits that, you know, here's mind blowing equation how can we a finite being contain the infinite within us mm-hmm. okay that's mystery <laughs> you know what, and and it and it is undefinable because it's infinite and the it that i'm speaking of in this case is god so how can we begin to say the certainty that this is who all that who god is right here mm-hmm. when as you said earlier, 
this is what has been revealed to us in this way. And yet we're told that it's also to be revealed through creation. We're part of creation. You know, it just keeps moving outward to me. Expansive faith is what I am recognizing about myself in this season of life, where before in my earlier years, it was very much certainty and, you know, and, and I think that much like, you know, awareness of creativity and what we each are drawn to, we, we can recognize that there is more of God Mm -hmm. and, and desire more of God. Mm -hmm. And. Ooh, but that gets dangerous. Uh, and I I was going to say and then he'll show up and and surprise you in beautiful and challenging ways Mm -hmm. but that's what that's what awareness leads to is is change right and and we don't have to change but we're invited to Mm -hmm. what what has been if if you can picture one um the greatest invitation to change that Holy Spirit has held before you in any point in your life, most recently or 30 years ago, whatever? Gosh, there's been so many. The first one that popped into my mind uh, happened when I was in my mid-40s and I went back and got my doctorate. Uh, I had been at home with my babies. Well, when my husband and I first uh, met and got married, we started a business together. Meanwhile, I was also going to college to finish my bachelor's and went on to finish my master's. And I was in a combined master's and doctoral program through Fuller Seminary. But our marriage was really struggling. Mm -hmm. So the day I graduated with my master's, uh, my husband and I hadn't spoken for two weeks. So imagine that. I felt like such a hypocrite. But it was also the turnaround day for us, too. And we started going to therapy. We've been happily married now for 33 years. But it was a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision then to um, to stop pursuing my doctorate, just to end my program with my, with my master's. Mm-hmm. And I honestly let go of that dream. The desire was gone. Um, and I happily raised my two babies that we um, had after that point. And... Uh, there was a time, um, maybe about 10 years down the road, where my husband and I had the opportunity to take a year to go to a ministry school together. So that was one huge point. That was a, such a beautiful um, act of restoration between my husband and I that God opened the door for. And it was the the month that we got back from school. We, I was sitting in my living room, just spending time with the Lord, trying to get in tune with what I was supposed to be doing with the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> my husband walked out of our bedroom and dropped this bomb on me. He's like, it's time for you to finish your doctorate. And as soon as he said, it, I'm like, really? You know, it's yeah. like reawakened this desire in me. I felt uh-huh. the invitation and the, um, the opportunity, um, which by the end of the day, I had already contacted a professor who was leading a cohort that I wanted to be a part of, which was a leadership cohort. She was a, um, a woman leading this, which, yes, I wanted all of that. But the invitation and the um, acceptance of that invitation is probably the scariest thing in my life, you know, because uh-huh. here I am. I had been out of college now for over 20 years and um, doing it while I had youngsters. How was it? I, I was worried about how I was going to finish. 
Sure. Because I also am married to a very traditional Greek husband who, even though he is very supportive, has certain expectations as um, yeah. for me as a wife. So, yeah. yeah, but God made a way and it was a joyous occasion when in 2015 I graduated and I just had the most amazing experience of having to face all of my fears head on about mm-hmm. my own abilities, my own worth, my own um place in this world and just recognize that no matter what happened during that time, because, you know, you're constantly having to prove yourself to your professors and defend your dissertations and, you know, do the same with your classmates Um, that I realized that after that point, that there was not much in life I would be too afraid to do and um, failure. It didn't feel so harsh anymore. It felt like, well, if I fail, Mm -hmm. okay, I've learned something, but it took until my mid forties to be, be at that place. Mm. And also, I would say, too, I was very inspired by my fellow classmates, because even though I was in my mid 40s, there were women in my class who were in their mid 60s. And I was so inspired by them. Like, there's never a time where our learning and growth should cease. You know, it reminds me of a song. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to. So uh, <laughs> let me get back to a song. And I, I spoke this over my grandmother so many different times. Oh. Um, And this is out of Psalms 92. And it says, you have made me as strong as an ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. And my ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. And even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no evil in him. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, yes. that's our life. Exactly. You know, there's never a point in our life where, and I see so many men and women, but I'm speaking mainly to women here, who start feeling like they no longer are relevant and their gifts and talents are no longer needed and that the younger generation knows something that they don't. And yes, they do. They carry things we need to learn from. But without women of our age and older speaking into the current situation and being there for the younger women, we are not complete as a community. And I see so many women longing for mentors. So how I got here, I don't know. But I, I guess it's probably that encouragement to women of our age to recognize their gifts and their yes. talents and God's moving in their life because everybody needs them. The younger women, but really everybody needs them. Yep. Yep. It is so true. I I have nothing to add except <laughs> amen and hallelujah. Yes. We're intended as long as we are here to be contributing in the way that we are made. So your contribution and mine are not the same. And the people whose lives you touch are not the same ones as the people whose lives I touch. And yet we all have that invitation to simply be ourselves and encourage. And when the opportunity arises, share. Share what we've learned, the hardships as well as the joys, the the failures that didn't end our lives, but the fear of failure can end our lives. Mm. People 
stop living because they're afraid of the failure, the tripping, the falling. Yeah. It happens. It does. It's and life. It's not the end of life. And mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if there's anything that our conversation can do for women, first of all, is drive them to prayer and the word, but also recognize that that there's more. And, oh, yeah. you know, if you're not certain what it is, find a mentor. Right. Find yes. a coach. Yeah. Find find a therapist if you're feeling so painfully stuck in things of the past. Yeah. All of those voices have have been a part of my life and mm -hmm. and I recognize it's my turn to hold my hand back right. and say oh watch that step because mm -hmm. you know it's a little uncertain but mm -hmm. you're gonna make it past that and you know just those kinds of things right oh, it's it's so valuable for us to be involved in the mm -hmm. communities where we're placed right you know, it just and and we always have value, whether it's volunteering at the food bank or through church or whatever it might be. Exactly. Get get out there, right? And and connect. Don't worry about what you can't do. Do what you can do. Exactly. <laughs> find some if there's things that have been on your heart that you have not pursued, find somebody who's doing it and have a conversation with them. And then keep practicing. Like I think about the, the um, practice of learning art and it really mm. is practice or the practice of anything. Yeah. Uh, I took a couple of classes during COVID online and there were classes I using mediums I had never used before. And the initial stages were so ugly. The initial paintings were so ugly, but the more I did it, the more, in fact, the more I'd be working on a particular piece, it goes through ugly phases. And then all of a sudden it starts taking shape. And then what you end up with is something completely different than what you thought. And I think so much of that happens in life too. We, But if we don't stick out through the ugly phases and keep persevering and practicing until we get to something that's beautiful, we'll never know what we can do. We'll always have this discontent. Mm -hmm. So we have to be willing to put ourselves out there and know that it doesn't signify our worth or value if the end product isn't pretty right away. Yeah, that's so good. That it, it reminds me of Brene Brown's words, the the messy middle, you know, mm -hmm. that we find ourselves often in the messy middle and we think that this is how it's turning out mm -hmm. when in fact it hasn't fully taken shape to yeah. to follow the the words that you just gave us. Cindy, I am so thrilled to have had this time to to bring you to my listening audience and to um just hear your encouragement of the journey that life has been to this point and continues to be moving forward and I'm glad that I have ways to have you um be connected with when people may want to know more about what you're doing currently, if they're in your area or if ways that they can um, connect through Lead Bold as well. So yeah. thank you so much, especially for reading Psalm 92. That That's a beautiful reminder that we will thrive. We will be like cedars of Lebanon. And that's just yeah. a glorious planting for the Lord, right? 
Yep. Vital and green. Very yeah. green. Yeah. Vital and green. I love it. Well, thank you again for spending time with me this morning. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.